We've been talking about a lot of stuff. Have you noticed we spent a lot of time talking about who God is? Well, tonight I want to talk to you about the fact this is huge with God. He's the God that never changes. He's the God that was the same yesterday and today and forever. So we're going to get into this. What's happening as we go week after week, this is building a foundation in you. As you meditate in these scriptures, the light will get turned on and things that you thought you knew will go off in your heart and you'll grab hold of them and you'll go, wow. I would truly call this healing school because as I look out here, I see a whole bunch of people, young and old, who are called to go into this earth and minister to the sick in their own personal lives. So you're getting built up here to do that. Now remember, you don't want to give what you don't have. So step number one, God wants you healed. He wants you well. He wants you strong. He wants all those symptoms out of your body never to come back. He does, God doesn't take you 90% of the way. Have you ever noticed when you're, when you're amending, all of a sudden, the enemy, it's almost like he's losing control, but then what will he start talking to you about? He won't talk to you about how that you're not ever going to get healed. He'll start talking to you about, well, it's gotten better, but it's not going to be all the way gone. But no, isn't Jesus the author and the finisher of your faith? Oh, God finishes strong, always. Hallelujah. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about to understand where we're coming from. This will help you as you read your New Testament. We want to talk about what the Septuagint is. So here we have, you had the, the Babylonian captivity and the Assyrian captivity. And when that happened to the Jewish people, all those captivities where these people are taken captive, the whole nation. What happens is because of those captivities, the Jewish people were spread all over the world. Okay? By the time, oh gosh, um, there was a time that we believe it's finished. We believe that the Septuagint was finished in about 132 BC. But the Septuagint, what happened was, because Israel was dispersed all over the world, they lost the Hebrew language. So only the Orthodox Jews, the religious leaders, the Orthodox Jews who were educated in this, they can, they can literally read the Hebrew Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So 70 rabbis got together, 70 doctors of the law. They knew the Hebrew language inside and out. And they said, listen, we need to translate the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek so that all the people of Israel can, can it was the common man's Bible, okay? And we know this was done, we know for sure it was done by 132 B.C., 132 years, right, before Christ, if you want to look at it that way. So, we have a very accurate rendering in the Greek of what the Hebrew meant in the Septuagint. As, as far back as just 132 B.C. It's interesting when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, like the, the book of Isaiah, there's not one deviation from the book of Isaiah. All these scrolls confirm the canon of Scripture. Because people will say, well, how do you know some of it wasn't lost? It's amazing. That's a whole different series on, on the canon of Scripture, but it's intact. I think God's big enough 
to keep it intact, actually, you know, at the end of the day. We don't really need to say much more than that. But these 70 uh, rabbis translated the Hebrew Old Testament into the Greek language. That was the Bible of Jesus' day. So whenever Jesus would say, as it is written, and then he would quote an Old Testament scripture, what he would quote is the Septuagint. He would quote that Greek rendering of the Hebrew Old Testament so the people of Jesus' day knew what he was saying. Does that make sense? Now Paul, because of his education, he would literally quote the Hebrew scripture. So, and what's really interesting is you see it because he knew Hebrew. Not very many people did. One of the signs that Jesus is coming, it was prophesied for years that the Hebrew language would be right before Jesus would come, right before Jesus would come back, the Hebrew language would come back and be intact. That's happened in the last 60 years. I mean, everything's pointing to Jesus coming back. Everything. 1948, Israel became a nation. 1967, Jerusalem was taken over. Right? The Ethiopian Jews that came back, that was a mass exodus. That was prophesied. I mean, there's all the, that the, the land of Israel, the desert would bloom. It's all happening. Right now, as we sit here in the Middle East, right now is every nation, a coalition of Muslim nations, and the leader of all of them is Russia. They're all in the Middle East right now. And everything is lined up. The, the, the Ezekiel 38 war could start tonight. There's, they're all there for the first time in history. There's 172 different species of predatory birds that have come into the land of Israel in the last not very many years. All of a sudden, National Geographic went, oh my gosh, what's going on? There's like 40 or I think when they noticed it was like 24 or something like that, different species of predatory birds had moved into the Valley of Megiddo where the Battle of Armageddon would be fought. Bible prophesies that the fowls of the air will eat the carcasses of everybody who's killed. So they're like, this is the weirdest phenomenon we've ever seen. Like all these, well now, just a few years later, 172 species of predatory birds have moved into not just different parts of Israel, the Valley of Megiddo, and are multiplying. It's almost like we're living in Noah's day. Could you imagine people are like, oh, why is there two lions and two elephants? And, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what's happening now. We just don't ever hear that on CNN, do we? See, there's all kinds of stuff happening, but I gotta tell you, God, we are, we are living at a time when he's going to use us to reach out and impact this world like we've never seen. Part of this last end time revival is going to be a healing revival that we've just never seen before. Hallelujah. So we want to be prepared. The Jewish people, although they were scattered, we, had, we, have, this, we have this Septuagint that they could, that it was a common man's Bible, they could read that Old Testament. Now, Jesus spoke Aramaic, okay, which was a form of the Greek language. That's a general term right there. He spoke Aramaic, but it's a, it's a form of the, of the Greek language. So, let's get into this. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. You ready? 
the context of this whole passage is God's judgment. Okay, so keep this in mind. Malachi 3.6 says this, For I am, I love when God says I am. For I am the Lord, look at what he says, I change not. And then he says this, Therefore, therefore why? Because I'm the Lord and I do not change, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. This verse gives us one picture of God's, always remember this, of God's unchanging nature. And, part, and what we're specifying tonight, talking about healing, he's always been a healer, he is a healer, he'll always be a healer. I mean, I think it's amazing, even in eternity, there's going to be a river flowing out of the throne of God, and on both sides, there's going to be the trees, trees of life. They're going to yield a different fruit every month. And it says in the leaves were for the healing of the nations. Well, we also know that in eternity, there is no more curse. So it says there's no more sickness, there's no more disease. We're not going to need these trees for healing. I believe it's a memorial, right flowing out of the throne of God, that God is a healer. I mean, I'm telling you, Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. He brought and he taught about the kingdom. Every time the kingdom's preached, healing always results. It's amazing. God is saying in this scripture and in, this, in context in this chapter, God is saying that the only thing keeping you from being consumed is that I made a promise to Abraham and his descendants and I don't change. God's judgment was upon these people. And what he said, he goes, guys, you're really blessed that I don't change. I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob something. And because I don't change, you're going to live. You're going to come out of this. Because if he changed, they would have been in trouble. Right? I want you to just focus on, I am the Lord, I change not. That's not the only place that is in the Bible. It's all over the place. Why am I saying this? Because there's so much out there today where people think, well, maybe God is allowing this sickness in my body to teach me something. And that is just not true. There's no biblical basis. Unless, of course, you can go back and find examples of where God allowed sickness and disease in people's bodies to teach them something. But all over the book, God says, I'm no respecter of persons. What I do for one, I'll do for all. And I never change. Why does he say that? Because the just shall live by faith. Well, you can't live by faith unless you know the will of God. Well, how can you know the will of God if he's always changing? You can't. So see, the, the, any doctrine that would say that God has not provided healing for everyone in the atonement, that, that, goes, that goes contrary to his nature, which he never changes, and he's no respecter of persons. So Numbers, go over to Numbers. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. Numbers 23 and verse 19. It says here, in Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. That word in the Hebrew language literally means to change. God is not a man 
that he should lie, neither is he the son of man, that he should repent or change. God's saying, I don't lie, and I never change. Right? It said, then, he goes, then he says this, Hath he said, and shall he not do it? God is saying, if I've said it, I will do it. If I said in my word, I sent my word and healed you, if I said in my word that Jesus himself bore your sickness and carried your pain, if I said in my word that I was made a curse for you to redeem you from the curse of sickness and disease, I will see to it that I make good on my word because I never change. This is why we're preaching on this. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? The answer to all of that is yes, he will. See, what was this written? This was written, this was Moses's, what, what was happening is the people, the children of Israel were saying, listen, we can't, there's, there's big, there's giants there, there's walled cities. We can't go into the promised land and, and take because we'll die there. God called it an evil report of unbelief. What they were saying is, we can't have what God said he gave us. This was God's response to that. This was God's response to that. You know what, Moses, this just doesn't work. This is not going to work. We can't go in and do this. God's response is, I am not a man that I would lie. I'm neither am I, I, I don't change either. I'm not the son of man that I would change. If I've spoken it, I'll bring it to pass. If I've said it, I'll, I'll make it good. That's what God is saying here. He's saying that to you and I tonight. We need to go and shout it from the rooftops. The God of heaven loves. He's always good. He never changes. He's no respecter of persons. And he's a healer. Right? He'll keep you healthy. He'll keep you strong. See, divine healing's good, but divine health is where you want to go. Right? That's where we want to live, divine health. Our bodies are supposed to, they say medically, they can't figure out why our bodies don't last. Because the body is designed to last for 120 years. They don't, they don't know why all of a sudden, at a certain age, your, son, your cells that regenerate every, every, all the time, they start regenerating at a lower level. We call it age, right? But, but still, your body should still work. I'm telling you, the healing power of God is available to you to heal your body tonight. God never changes. He's always been a healer, and he always will be. So our foundation as believers is God is good and God never changes. I love Titus 1-2. You know, I've quoted it before. Pastor Titus, he's the Terminator pastor. In Titus 1-2, you don't have to turn there. It says, in hope of eternal life, which God cannot lie, which the God that cannot lie has promised before the world began. He's not only the God that won't lie, he's the God that can't lie. you got to know that. What God, what am I saying? What God said 
or says is true. Right? What God says is true. Why? Because it's true because God said it. Never forget that. What God says is true, and the reason why is it's true because God said it. Whatever he says is true. If he says it's, it's Thursday, it would be Thursday. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's the deal. He created you with a will. So he said he won't violate your will. So he says you're healed. And this is why if you'll say you're healed, there's nothing that could stop that from coming to pass in your life. Because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Amen? Amen. So what does Satan do? Oh man, he'll try to, do you feel that pain? It's getting worse. He's trying to get you to say what you feel or what you see is true. So we could say it this way. Let's go a little deeper. Everything God says is truth. It's truth because God says it. That's John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. John 6, 63. His words are spirit. They're not noise. They're not sounds. They're spirit and they're life. They're zoe. His words contain the very life of God, which is eternal. Isn't this good news? Wow. I love that. What God says is true, and it's true because God said it. If he said you're a world overcomer, don't say you're a loser. Don't say I've lost the battle. The battle's over, and you've already won. It might not look like it outwardly, but who cares? Everything outward has been made by the unseen. And you already been, have the victory in the unseen world, and that will change. Oh, this physical world is, is, is literally governed and changed by the spirit world. So let's go to Exodus chapter 15. We're going to look at a time. It's the first time in the word of God where God identifies himself to the children of Israel. So we're going to see what the first time that he identifies himself, how he identifies himself. So let's look at this. In, in Exodus chapter 15, I, are you guys half as excited as I am? Because I'm like really excited about this. This, is, this stuff just turns me on from the inside out. Exodus 15 verse 22. Exodus 15 verse 22 says this. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So they have this glorious time. The whole Egyptian army's wiped out. The Red Sea parts. These people are like, yeah. Then 24 hours go by and they're like, wow, I'm kind of thirsty. Then 48 hours go by and go, I'm really thirsty. And by the end of three days, they have forgotten who delivered them. And they are completely now consumed by their circumstance and their bodies are screaming i have to have water do you see that in the same way have you ever been consumed by circumstances have you ever been consumed by the pain 
by the weakness. And by it just seems like it's not only not getting better, it's getting worse. And, 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 and the doctors can't seem to get the medicine right. And, and I, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? You're like the children of Israel. After three days, their bodies are screaming at them. I need water. Verse 23. And when they came to Marah, that word means bitterness, they could not drink the waters of Marah. So here they come up to these waters, and they're like, yeah, water. Haven't drank water for three days. Or, you know, probably less than three days. They probably had some water. But it was probably all depleted, or mostly depleted people, you know, right? And have you ever been really thirsty, and then all of a sudden, you come in to where you could have water? So they see these waters, but they couldn't drink it. It's the way Satan is so many times. Your symptoms will start just getting better, and then all of a sudden you'll go, Phew. and when they're getting better, when, have you ever noticed when they're getting better, you get all excited? Well, I'm healed. And Satan's like, yeah, you're healed. But he knows you're in the flesh, so he just knows. I'm going to play with them now. Yeah, you're healed. Man, God's your healer. You should tell everybody about it. And you come to church and you're like, man, you know, my blood changed and this changed and it was awesome. I feel better. And then all of a sudden, you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh my gosh. Sunday, you're bragging about how God's your healer all throughout church. And then Monday, you wake up and you feel pretty bad. Tuesday, you feel worse. And by Wednesday, the night when you're going to go to church and hear about God's a healer, you're like, I can't. I, first of all, I'm a little embarrassed because, man, I even look like a mess right now and I can't go, right? You got to be real careful. You can't ever, you got to make a decision. You have to make a decision that I'm going to believe God and I, I'm, I literally refuse to take any less than what he has for me. Right? So it says here, they could not drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. Now we know from studying that the waters of Marah had these lime deposits in them and it made the water really bitter, super bitter. It's not like it would probably kill you if you drank it, but it would probably make you sick if you drank too much of it. But it was really, I mean, could you imagine a lime deposit in your water? That would be, it's not like putting a little lime in your water, right? Not, not like that at all. And look at what happened. And the people murmured. Look at that. And the people murmured against the Lord. Did they? Is the Lord's name Moses? They murmured against Moses. It's amazing if you get your eyes on the circumstances Everything about your response will always be towards people you see. So you're really bummed out because you thought you were getting better. And who do you take it out on? Your wife, your husband, you kick the dog, right? Whatever. Why is that? Because you're living on the outside. You're going by sight. If you're walking by faith, you're not walking by sight, but if you're walking by sight, you're not walking by faith. So when they murmured, look at what they did. They murmured against Moses. 
Why did you bring us out here? How would you like to be Moses? Have a church of two to three million people and they're all murmuring. Hey, right? So look at what Moses does. They murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Now, they could have went up and honored the authority that God brought in their life and said, hey, we're really thirsty. Moses, can you go to God? We, we need to know what we're supposed to drink. Right? We know that he deli- he's a deliverer. Well, we know he didn't deliver us for us to die in the wilderness. But see, they're not thinking that way because they're looking outwardly. Why am I saying this? Don't, you got to get your eyes off of your circumstances, off of your symptoms, and get your eyes on truth, what the Word says. Otherwise, the, the enemy can, can really mess with you. So they murmured against Moses. So they didn't say, hey, Moses, can, you know, what, what are we going to drink here? They came to him and go, hey, you, know, you brought us out here to die in the wilderness, you idiot. Now what are we supposed to drink? That's what murmuring against sounds like, right? So look at what it says. And he, verse 25, Moses cried unto the Lord. And what did the Lord do? The Lord showed him something. In the same way, when you speak to God about things, he will show you. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to guide you into all the truth. He doesn't tell you of things to come. He shows you. So when I go to God, I can expect him because he never changes. He'll show me what to do. Now, could you imagine you got two to three million people ticked at you because there's no water. You got these waters here that taste horrible. And, and while you're talking to God, God shows you a tree. And he says, throw that tree in the water. Okay. Notice that doesn't really look like your answer, doesn't it? Every time the Holy Spirit leads you, it's always your answer. Even though it doesn't look like your answer. Okay, so, so look at this. So we go down, and the Lord showed him a tree. This tree, if you look at types in the Old Testament, the tree is a type of Christ. It says, which when he had cast it, or which when he had cast into the waters, the waters are always, we learn this in the book of Revelation, in types and shadows, waters are always a type of humanity. So this is a picture of Jesus. Remember, the whole Old Testament shows us Jesus. So this is a type of Jesus being cast into humanity. He took upon himself flesh. And what did he do? He came to change things. Do you see that? So it says, uh, and the waters were made sweet. Do you know the waters of Marah are sweet to this day? A couple thousand years later, or actually with Moses, that'd be a long time. Probably 3,000, let's say, years at least. So the waters were made sweet, And there he made for them a statue. So now God in this place is now making a statute and an ordinance. So you got to see this. He's making a statute. That means a law. 
He's making an ordinance. That means a legal decision where a judgment has been rendered. Let's just break it down and make it simple. God says in this place, I'm making a rule. Okay? He's making a statute. He's making an ordinance. And it says in this place and there, he, talking about God, tested them. That word prove means to test. Anytime the word says anything, does God test us today? Absolutely. It, the Bible talks about it. The word of God says to love your brothers. And you'll be tested on that. When God tests you, and it's his word. His word tests us. Just by a mere fact of what it is, it tests us. Whether or not we will choose to obey it. If you look at, if you look at testing, you have God. His word will always test you. He's always testing you to move you towards obedience so that he can bless you. The enemy will always test you with circumstances and everything else for the purpose of causing disobedience so that he could come in and steal, kill, and destroy. You can see that all through the Bible. That is, that is, that is a major doctrinal truth here. So that's all that this is saying right here. Now let's go in verse 26. And said, if you, now, now it says and said, so now, right after, and verse 26, right after, and said, now he's going to give us this rule that will not change. As long as we're on the earth, it will not change. This is a rule. It's in place today. Look at what the rule is. If you, if you will diligently hearken, that means if you will diligently hear and obey, what does diligence mean? Whether you feel like it or not, right? Have you ever been an athlete? Sometimes you just don't feel like it, right? Let's talk about a Christian. Whether you feel like it or not, the word has to be first place. There are certain things that you have to do it's not, it's, it's diligence, whether you feel like it or not. So God's saying, if you, whether you feel like it or not, will hear and obey, this is the rule, right? If you'll hear and obey the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Then he goes on and it says, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now this is real interesting. Let's look at the, this, I will put none of these diseases. First of all, I will put. If you look at the Hebrew manuscripts, if you look at the Septuagint, I will put is not there. Okay? It's not there. It was added by the translators. So if you, if you take that out, you could put and give ears to his commandments and keep his statutes. None of these diseases, and then if you look at the, at the Hebrew language, 
Basically, what it says is, none of these diseases will I allow or permit to come upon you. So we know it says, I will, for I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought. This I have brought, there, that's a Hebrew verb. There's two tenses in the Hebrew verb. There's permissive and causative. I have brought, like God brought this sickness on the Egyptians. That doesn't sound like God, does it? Well, it's because it was translated in the causative tense. But it's very clear to a Hebrew scholar it's in the permissive tense. So you'd have to read it, which I have allowed or which I have permitted upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Literal, if you look at this literally in the Hebrew language or in the Greek Septuagint, it would read this, like this, none of the diseases that have come upon the Egyptians will come upon you. If you hearken if you hear and obey my word, God is saying, this is the rule, this never ends. This is alive in the earth today. God says, if you will hear and obey my word, none of the diseases that come on the Egyptians will come on you. Why? For I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's the rule. So now think about it. We have examples in, in the New Testament, in Jesus' ministry, and they would come, and they're like, Jesus, was it this man's sin? Or was it his parents' sin? And in that situation, Jesus said, no, it's not either one of them. But I must work my father's work. And then Jesus healed him. Other times, they let this guy down through the roof, which I believe was Jesus' house. There's all these religious leaders there. Most of them, I bet, were sick because it says the power of God was there to heal them. They were just there to catch Jesus and twist some of his words. But these four guys let this guy down. Jesus looks at them. He sees their faith. And he looks at the guy and goes, your sins are forgiven. Well, you can imagine the religious leaders are freaking out. Oh, who do you think you are? Right? Jesus is probably thinking, I know who I am. Who are you? But he tells the guy, the guy, rise up, take up your bed and walk. The guy gets healed and he says, go and sin no more. So sometimes Jesus would say, go and sin no more. Other times he would say, no, it's not because of this person's sin. So the rule is if you will hear and obey God's word, none of these diseases which are in the earth today will come upon you. But you might be going, well, wait a minute. Here, here's an American Christian well, I've got symptoms in my body. Why is God, that, that's not right. Like, like you've never messed up. It must just be that God's word, oh gosh, God is a liar. I guess we could throw out the whole Bible because obviously you're right and he's wrong. Do you think maybe, see, see if you have symptoms in your body, what do you do? Why am I saying this? It could be that you're not doing anything wrong. And it's in there. That, that sickness, that disease, whatever you're facing, it just, Adam sinned in the garden, sin came into the world, death came in by sin, and now all of a sudden, there's people that are born with conditions. Right? In that situation, we could learn from this rule, 
gosh, if I just hear and obey God's word, if I believe and, and confess with my mouth, I believe I receive my healing, then there's nothing that could stop it from coming to pass. But if all of a sudden you have symptoms in your body, if you have symptoms in your body tonight, check yourself. Because what are our commands? Thank God it's simplified in the New Testament. There's not 490 different commands and ordinances and all this stuff. It's just, it's, it's basically one that is carried out in faith. But it's love. It's the law of love. Check your love walk. Am I loving my, the brethren? Do I have unforgiveness? Am I offended in any way? Lord, if I'm in pride in any way, I know it blinds me. So show me. Have I opened a door for this? Right? Now be careful because Satan will try to really confuse you. So how we do this is by meditating in the scripture. You meditate on these scriptures along the lines of healing and the Holy Spirit will bring revelation of them and in that revelation, he'll show you any adjustments you need to make. But I gotta tell you, in today's Christianity, we got people living just like the world and thinking it's okay. Because everybody they know who's a Christian lives like this. And so much of the body of Christ is sick because we're just opening those doors. So a healing school, we know there's no guilt and condemnation in Christ. So you submit your life to the Lord. And see, if you're not living in the word, there's no light in your life. It's dark. You can't really see stuff. But oh, if you'll meditate in the word, that light will be turned up. And you'll see, oh man, I need to make a change there. I remember before we had our first service, I was driving um, the family that was, was key with us. Uh, we came together with their family and started the church. And they were our worship leaders for years. We started the church. Uh, we started as a Bible study in their basement. We just had some great times. And I remember I'm driving to go minister one night. And I'm literally driving down their street and the I mean, I'm always asking God, am I missing it? Show me, show me what I'm not seeing. Show me what I'm seeing wrong, all this stuff. And I'm minding my own business, thinking about what I'm going to minister, and it comes up. I have unforgiveness in my heart towards my last pastor, which had been years before Rama. So we left California in 1992, and this would have been 2006, so that's 14 years later. And it just came up, and I saw it so clearly. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know I had unforgiveness. The Holy Spirit was helping me. So then instantly, I'm like, okay, Lord. Because every day I tell the Lord, I harbor, I, I, in obedience to your word, I harbor no unforgiveness in my heart towards any human being who's ever lived. Not just the ones living on the earth. There's people that hate people that have already died and they still, it's still messing up their life, right? But I, I'm like, I harbor no unforgiveness, all this stuff, my heart was right and the, and the Holy Spirit was able to get that over to me. So I just took care of that right there. That was wonderful. See, this is what'll happen. If there's something that's keeping this from coming to you, the word, the revelation of the word of God, when the Holy Spirit gives revelation of the word, in that revelation, will will show you if you need to make any adjustments. Be careful if it's just a thought in your mind.
Because remember, who talks to your mind? Not God. And oh, once you, he'll get you thinking, oh man, you know, you looked at somebody wrong and you did that. You'll, you'll start micromanaging all this stuff. Forget about that. Right? The enemy will confuse things. It all comes from the word. Parable of the sower, what produces? Do you produce or does the word produce? What heals your body? Do you? No, the word does. He sent his word. So let's keep going with Exodus 15. Now let's turn over and let's look at the rule. Well, actually, just, just focus on Exodus 15.26. Exodus 15.26. Let me read it again. And said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do which is right in his sight, will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Or in other words, none of the diseases that were on the Egyptians will come on you because I'm the Lord that heals you. The rule of Exodus 15, 26, which was still alive today, is put God's word first and act on it and he will see to it that he allows no sickness in your life. In other words, you position yourself to be free from that. Could it be that easy? It is that easy. So if you, if you have stuff that is in your body illegally, if it's not from, from things you've allowed and doors you've opened, if they've just been opened because of Adam, whatever, the Holy Spirit will show you either way, but just start doing the word. You put it first and you act upon it. As you put the word first and act upon it, the Holy Spirit will now be able to shed light and show you any adjustments that you need to make. And what are you doing while you're making the adjustments or before you even see them? You walk around saying, Father, I believe I received my healing. Don't worry about the rest of it. I have it. I'm healed now. You, you receive it in, inside. Heal everything for now, and we're going to talk about this, comes from the inside and works its way out. It wasn't like that in the Old Testament because they were not born again. See, because I am a child of God and what he has given me and the position I have in righteousness, all this stuff has to bow to who I am. And his word will be a light to me as the spirit of God within me and upon me bring revelation to it. So if I need to make some adjustments, I don't stress about that. Right? If, if a doctor's telling me, man, you are going to die then what am I going to do? I'm going to walk out of there and go, okay, thank you, doc. I'm going to walk out of there and go, and Father, I'm going to live and not die and declare your works. I thank you that you're going to keep me until I could lay hold of my healing. Right? And then, and then, then what you do, then right after you say that, Father, I thank you that your word says, whatever, I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. He bore it himself. All of these things. So now, Father, I believe your word. I believe I received my healing right now. I thank you that I'm healed in Jesus' name. Not going to be, I am. I received it. Now, now what happens? From the time I receive it inwardly until the time it manifests outwardly, now the Holy Spirit, the word's just going to show me what to do. What to say, 
What do I confess? Do I decide, okay, for a hundred times a day, I'm going to confess? No. I'm, going to, I'm a New Testament believer. I'm going to be led. The Holy Spirit's going to lead me into all the truth. I don't have to sit down and come up with my own program to receive my healing. I'm a New Testament believer. I'm led by the Spirit of God. My main job is to rest. Father, I thank you I'm healed. Every time a pain hits your body, you'll, if, you, if, you, if you just have your eyes on him, every time a scripture will come up, every time something, I mean, he'll wake you up. If, if you need to take medicine, he'll show you where you're missing it. Just don't get in the pride and think, well, there's no way I'm missing it. Right? Because I got to tell you, sins, sin is keeping a lot of people out in the body of Christ right now. And the thing is not to try to figure it out Actually, though, if we went around here right now and we, we could be honest with ourselves, every one of us, if there's something in our life that we're doing that's not right, we know it. We try to justify it, but we know it, right? So let's keep going with this. Oh, my goodness. Let's keep going. This is the first way that God identifies himself to the children of Israel. The first way he does it, the first thing he says. Now remember, he's revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's revealed himself to Moses. And now he's going to reveal himself to the children of Israel. The first thing that he says to them is, I am the Lord that heals you. It's pretty, pretty powerful. God, why did he say that as the first thing? God is looking back. What did they just eat? What did they just eat a few days ago? The Passover. He's looking back at the Passover and he's saying, I am the Lord that heals you. Isn't that awesome? Now, this is really interesting in the Hebrew language. You will be so glad you came tonight when you find this out. I read it, and man, I get excited every time I read it. This phrase, I am the Lord that healeth you, it's really interesting because in the Hebrew language, you cannot tell if God is saying, I am the God who past tense has healed you, or if he's saying, I am the God that heals you right now, or if he's saying, I'm the God who will heal you. You can't tell. In the Hebrew, there are tenses that should be able to tell that they could have used to be the proper tense. In the Septuagint, in the Greek language, there's tenses. But in this scripture, God saw fit to not use any of those words with tenses. Because God is just saying, I'm the God that heals you. You can't tell if it, because see, you can't tell, oh gosh, well maybe if he's a God that used to heal, then maybe I'm not going to get it today. Or, or if he's a God that just heals now, maybe I, you know, I was not in the right place at the right time, or maybe you know, someday in the great by, by and by I'll get healed. No, no, you can't tell that from this scripture. God identifies himself as just, hey guys, I'm the God that heals you. Always. I just, that just is exciting. 
I'm sure there's a language in heaven that really can communicate that better than English. Because right now I said it, and I'm, every time I say it, I'm just like, it doesn't do it justice. English just doesn't do it justice. Let me show you just another quick law or rule that is in the Word of God. Go to Numbers 14. Numbers 14, 28. Here's, a no, here's another. Now, this is an oracle of God. This means it is an unchanging, never-ending law of God. So this one's not only for while we're on the planet, this one's in eternity. It will go on forever. Numbers 14, 28, it says this. Say unto them, now this is saying to who? He's saying, say unto the children of Israel who say they can't have what I said I've given them. He says now, say unto them, as truly as I live. In, in the Hebrew language, it would read like this. So as I am eternal, this principle is eternal. Wow. That's really strong. Saith the Lord, as you've spoken in my ears, it says in the King James, so will I do to you. But that word do is in, again, it's in the permissive tense. As you speak in my ears, that's what I will permit in your life. That's what I will allow in your life. Yes, God is sovereign. And rule number one of sovereignty is man's will trumps God's will. Whatever you say, see, God has to allow what you'll allow. So if you'll allow that sickness in your body that could be managed by that medicine, he has to allow it. But if you will literally not allow it, if you're saying no, you, God, you said wholeness is my deal, so I want to be whole. You said that I would live long on the earth. You said you're no respecter of persons. So you know what? If Moses didn't lose his vigor, his youthfulness, if his eye didn't dim at 120 years old, then you know what? I'm laying hold of that. Right? This is what, this is the tenacity. It's an oracle of God. It never changes. This is the first time this, this passage in Exodus, now let's jump back there. This is the first time that is, God is he's showing himself, he's identifying himself to the children of Israel after they've been brought out of Egyptian captivity. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. This is where God identified himself to Moses. So it says here, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And it says here, And the angel of the Lord, verse 2, appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked and beheld the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now look at how Moses had this interaction with God. Verse 3, and now, now look at this, and Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. This word turn aside in the Hebrew language means I will now depart from my own course of action to go look at this great sight. Now you have to see this principle, and this is important as we get into healing. 
Moses has all these sheep he's responsible for, and he comes to a place where he sees something, and he decides, I'm going to abandon this to experience this. You are going to have to abandon some things if you ever want to experience God. Now, this is a time when Moses was promoted. Most, most Christians that never, ever walk out God's plan for their life, they never let go of what they're doing so that, God, so that they could have an encounter with God. Now, thank God he's long-suffering. He'll keep, you, keep, you can go around the mountain, you'll come right back to the same place. But I could tell you those trips around the mountain will cost you. You'll do stupid things. You'll, the enemy will get in there. Don't, don't do that. You don't have to. He says, I will now turn aside. I'll depart from my course of action and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. Look at what it says in verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, see, God, he wants, he wants us to recognize him. And he knows for us to have an encounter with him, we have to turn aside from our course of action. Do you see that? You got to put the word first place. This is why, this is why being planted in a church where you hear revelation knowledge and the word of God is so important. We need to hear it all the time. This is why you're close friends. You need to be in restaurants and at homes and talking about the word because we need it. Otherwise, this stuff in our flesh creeps up and all of a sudden God wants to do something in our life and we miss it. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and I love the God of heaven. Allah never calls anybody by their name, right? The Muslim faith. He calls them slaves and servants. God always calls you by your name. God, when he's calling people in the Bible, always emphasizes their name. You could always tell because when a name is emphasized, it's said more than once. Notice God didn't say Moses. He said Moses, Moses. And he was about to cause him to enter a new phase of life. Where do we see that in the New Testament? Road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuted? Do you see the, there's the emphasis there. God meets you right where you are because he loves you. Look at Samuel in the Old Testament. I think of Samuel. Samuel, he goes to Eli. Hey, did you call me? No, that goes back to bed. Samuel, two times. He goes, Eli, did you call me? No, 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 okay. And then Eli goes, hey, you know what? It, it, if that, if that, that could be God. So just, what does God do a third time? Samuel. Do you see, you see this over and over in the Bible. When you guys read the Bible now, you'll see that. You'll be like, oh, right? <laughs> so look at this. God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And then he said, here I am. See, God identified himself to Moses in the burning bush. Why did he do that? Because if you read the story, Moses didn't know who he was. So God met him. In Exodus 3, verse 14, we'll finish with this tonight. 
God said to Moses, because he, he tells Moses, he goes, take off your shoes, because where you're at is holy ground. And that was a custom back then. Taking off the shoes meant, I've got something new. You're, going, you're being promoted now, so that means you don't want to take the dust of any failures in your past into your future, and you don't want to take any successes into your future. I've got something much bigger than you. So, so he has this encounter, and then he tells Moses, I'm going to send you to deliver my people. And he's like, okay, God, who do I say sent me? And look at how God answers in verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent you. I am is the Hebrew word hayah. It means to be, to become, to exist. Every time, it, it literally, see, this I am that I am, it means I am, Moses, I am everything that you will ever need me to be. That's who I am. I'm everything you'll ever need me to be. God says to you tonight, I am everything that you'll ever need me to be in your life. I don't care if you have stage four cancer. I don't care if you have AIDS. I don't care if they give you three minutes to live. I am that I am. I'm bigger than that. You gotta know that. That's who God is. I am, it's only spoken over 3,500 times in the Old Testament. Do you think God is trying to tell us something? And in the beginning, God said, light be. Guess what he said? Hayah. Whenever this word, literally, see, you got to realize, the children of Israel, God brought them out of Egypt to bring them to himself. God brought you and I out of the world and, and, and caused us to be born again because of Jesus. Why? Because he, he wants to bring you to himself. When God says be, when he says I, hayah, he is sending, he's releasing something that always causes change. Why am I saying that tonight? Every time he says that, if you study it out, every time, he's, he's literally releasing an ability to bring change. So what does he say? He says, be healed. Be whole. Be delivered. Be prosperous. It's the same word. The word says it over and over and over. In the ministry of Jesus, he said that over and over. I'm here to tell you God's a healer.